Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Game Over. My name is Liz, and I'm here to cover a 2 nothing Winnipeg Jets big fat loss tonight with the one and only Mitchell Thompson from the Bandwagon Hockey Podcast. So at least there's a silver lining to the evening because I get to talk to Mitch. Mitch, how are you doing? I'm not too bad, Alyssa. How are you doing? Um, I'm okay. That was rhetorical. You don't need to answer that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I am doing just fine um, because that wasn't like – a horrible, horrible, horrible game. Just pulled up a little hockey stat card just to take a quick look, make sure that, you know, my brain's in line where with everything's at. Offense, all in the negatives tonight. These guys, Mm. they were cooking up nothing. They were absolutely cooking up nothing. But we're going to talk about it anyway, and we're going to find a way to make something out of it. So uh, for everyone who's here live in the chat, thank you so much for being here. Uh, If you're listening back tomorrow morning or whenever you listen to your podcast, we appreciate the support. Let's dive into this a little bit. So we're going to talk about a couple different things that kind of happened over the course of the game. But I just got to say, the goal, the first goal, it was a goal. It happened. It was whatever. That second goal, I feel like that was one of the more, like, deflating goals I felt in a while. There was, like, some pressure building up. I felt like the Jets were doing a little bit more to kind of, you know, get the ball rolling a little bit. And and then that Tyler second goal, man, how... As a more objective party in this game, Mitch, than I am, how how did that goal make you feel? I mean, so I like the game itself for 58 minutes was just a complete snow, snooze fest. And but I was so ready for that score effects final three minutes to kick in on Winnipeg's end and to see them press a little bit and try to tie the game up. And then I forget who had it for Dallas, but I saw Sagan just streaking down streaking down the wing on that two-on-one, and he just kind of had that little tap-in back door to, to put it up 2 nothing, kind of seal the game away. And as soon as that happened, I was like, okay, I'm up off the couch. I'm going to go get ready to do game over because this game's done. And I was just – I wasn't in a mindset where I wanted to do wanted to do that at that point. Oh, literally, I know. It's just – it's it's so discouraging. But I feel like that was kind of a summation of how the game went on my end. So yeah. I feel like I'm going to start with a monologue because that's just that's just what I like to do and I, I think I want to talk about kind of the situation going into this game where Jets are coming off a loss it is what it is you know teams lose good teams lose all the time um but this was a really important game uh for, for the Winnipeg Jets second time playing Dallas this season I want to say the first one was a loss too I didn't watch that game I was like 
at a conference or in Toronto or something like that. Um, and tonight, going into this one, again, lost to a division matchup last game. Coming into who is, in my opinion, the best team in the Central Division right now. I know Colorado's ahead of them in the standings, but a very strong team in the Dallas Stars with a legitimate chance to shake up the standings a little bit with a win in this one. They obviously want to win. It's Rick Bonus's first game at home since he came back to join the team. Like, just things are moving in the right direction for the Jets, but they need to win games like this. What are your thoughts on the Central Division right now and how things are kind of stacking up and how this game sort of shifts where the Winnipeg Jets feel and how they feel comfortable where they're at now, more secure in that third spot in the Central? Yeah, I don't think this game changes anything. I think Dallas and Colorado are head and shoulders above everyone in the division. Um, because it's hockey, I could see Winnipeg sneaking in and grabbing home ice in the first round, finishing second in the division or something. But um, I also think Winnipeg is in their own tier in that division. So I would I would have Dal- Dallas as my cup pick coming into this year. Um, so I, I'd put Dallas and Colorado head and shoulders above Winnipeg, who are then probably head above the rest of the division because it's just it's just not that good of a division this year it's very top heavy um you could argue that the two best teams in the west are in that division um that's bold on any given night on any given night i think like either those teams could beat vegas in a playoff series um colorado has before and dallas is my cup pick so um you can make the argument they're not right now but I, i think the argument's there um but then you could argue that there's five teams in the West that probably might not sniff a playoff race. Maybe St. Louis just by default, but I don't know. Um, I don't think this changed much of my opinion of the Central Division tonight. See, and that's probably a more level-headed take than where a lot of us are at, but I think a lot of Jets fans we're really starting to get a little confident in this team, a little, oh. little arrogant in this team. We were like, you know, it's rolling. This team is good. They're kicking They're And I don't know. I think we were developing a little bit of an overconfidence. And you're right. Like, I think in the grand scheme of things, this shouldn't change. Because if anyone had the Winnipeg Jets as far and away better than either of those two teams, they were probably, you know, a little delusional. But yeah. I think it's humbling, but also, like, it's within reach. It's within reach because watching this game tonight, I can see why Dallas is so good. But also, mm-hmm. what if my Jets manage them better than I think the result makes it feel like they did? Two nothing is you know it, it's that's a nothing score. Like anyone can score two goals or zero goals in a game. But I think the Winnipeg Jets actually did a decent job of containing some of the more you know offensive weapons on this. Dallas team tonight and sort of limited them a little bit more than they possibly could have. What did you think of Dallas's kind of big guys tonight and how Winnipeg was able to manage them decently? Decently. I'm, I I'm had not. to. I had I had to check in the second period to make sure Jason Robertson wasn't hurt. Um, I I didn't see him. Um, that's supposed to be a heart guy, and I had to go and check my phone and check the roster and check the injury list to see if he was playing in the game because. Um, I, I didn't notice him. I, I noticed like Tyler Sagan, I think was Dallas's best forward tonight. I, I noticed him a lot. Um, I love Wyatt Johnston. Um, but I, I just didn't notice him a lot. Uh, Rupe Hintz is always flying, but he wasn't producing much tonight. Um, Pavelski scored, but other than that, like, again, it was kind of one of his classic net front goals. Besides that, I didn't notice a much from him. Like I, I thought that Dallas's stars weren't really starring tonight. Um, but good teams win games like that. So, like, Ottinger was awesome. Um, like, 
I think Dallas is normally a pretty big Corsi team too. And Winnipeg outshot them pretty handily. I think the shots were like 29 to 20 or something. Um, 29, 21 maybe. And yeah, I don't know. I thought Winnipeg was solid. They just, I don't know. They, they lost. And that's kind of just what happens. It's November. <laughs> I'm not too worried about it. If I'm a Jets fan, uh, yeah. Dallas is a really, Dallas is a really good team. They're probably going to win a playoff round this year. So um, yeah, I don't know. A hundred percent. I think, this game to me was so much more about the defense than it was about the offense. And you're right that, that oh, that's, yeah. that's how you win those championships and things like that. And I think one thing that I really noticed tonight is that Dallas did such a good job of managing Winnipeg's breakouts and break-ins. And what I mean by that is I felt like there was so much back and forth. It was so funny. I was describing it over text to my co-host of SDPN Game Over Winnipeg, Brady. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he thought I was having a stroke because I was like, goal line, blue line, goal line, red line, back to blue line. And like, there was so much back and forth because Winnipeg just could not exit. And it wasn't even exiting the zone necessarily, but they just couldn't break up the ice nice and cleanly. And every time they did get to the Dallas blue line, Entering along the boards was just not happening. They were getting snuffed out immediately, and it just resulted with a little chip, and Dallas plays a deeper... I think they play three back on their defense, so they, they weren't retrieving the pucks, or Winnipeg wasn't retrieving the pucks, is what I'm trying to say. And it was just, like, nothingness. Like, there was no offensive creation at 5-on-5, five five, or at 5-on-4, or 5-on-3, but we'll get there. Or 5-on-3, um, yeah. <laughs> but Winnipeg's... Offense. So yeah, what did you think of Dallas's uh, defense tonight and just kind of how they managed the Winnipeg Jets all four lines? Um, yeah, I mean, I mentioned earlier how, how Winnipeg really outshot Dallas, but um, I just thought it was a pretty soft shutout for Andre, which is a good thing. Like, that's com- that's me complimenting Dallas's defense. Um, like, even, like, we're I assume we're going to get to this eventually, but the, the power plays from Winnipeg's end were, de- were like, they were pathetic. Um, they couldn't generate anything. A lot of for a lot of trying to force stuff. I don't know if that's a consistent theme with the Jets' power play, um, but in terms of zone entries and controlling the like controlling the puck in the offensive zone, like it just wasn't happening. It just seemed like Dallas was, like you mentioned before, they were snuffing everything out as soon as they could, and the Jets just couldn't really gain any offensive momentum. Which again is a compliment to Dallas's defense. Um, so, but that like that's kind of Dallas's identity, right? Like they. They've, they've got their great players, but they, they shut things down and they've got a world-class goalie to back it up. 100%, 100%. And I think, you know what? You brought it up, I brought it up, and it's the talk of the game. We, we got to get back to it. So a little bit of context for you, Mitchell. It was a real bad stretch for the Winnipeg Jets with their power play, and then it was better. And then things got a little bit better, and we were feeling okay. We weren't feeling great. We are feeling okay. But tonight, two five-on-threes. And, like, legitimate five-on-threes. Not, like, two extra seconds that happens to be tacked onto the end of a power play or something. Two legitimate five-on-threes. I don't know the last time I've seen that in a game that a team got, what, probably over a minute and a half worth of five-on-three time and fumbled and fumbled and fumbled immensely. What did you think of that five-on-three and what went wrong for the Winnipeg Jets? Well, they were bad, and it's like every player on the team, every player on that power play, just thought that Kyle Connor was the only guy on the ice. Um, like Perfetti and who's the net front guy? I follow. I follow and Perfetti. 
like just standing there. I mean, like get someone down behind the net, try to generate something. It was just it was just Morrissey and Shifley going back and forth, trying to go cross seam to Connor constantly. Um, I don't know what the general consensus on Mark Shifley is in Winnipeg. Um, I know what it is around the league. Um, I just think you got to get Nick. My hot take is coming. I, don't worry. Don't worry. Okay, I'm, I hope I agree with it. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I'm not going to try to beat a dead horse because I feel like Winnipeg's, like, way too familiar with this. I feel like anyone watching this show is way too familiar with this. But I don't even want to mention Nick Ehlers' name. But, like, why isn't he on the top power play? I don't – like, his numbers don't seem great. I don't – I haven't watched him a ton. But I know that's been a theme for, like, the last half decade. So I don't know if that's even – a can worth opening up but that power play was so stagnant it was really crap yeah and i think the thing that drives me the craziest about it too is that like it it's some of it is like continuation from five on five also like i find that the jets play such perimeter puck movement even at five on five where if a defenseman has the puck he is passing it to the other defenseman shooting it or ringing it around the boards there is never any fun exciting like Adam Fox-esque movement around the corners and passing across to random players and trying to do something creative with it. Like, the Winnipeg Jets play a lot of really predictable hockey, I find, when they have possession. It's when they're a little bit, like, out of position or, like, not quite set up yet that I find they make their most exciting moves. So at the five-on-three, when it's so easy to maintain possession, like, I, I could sit there, I could take six shots of tequila and I could probably sit there and still blink and say, I know exactly where this puck is going to go every single time someone gets the puck. Like they are so predictable with their passes. They are always trying to get it to the flank to Cal Connor. And you know what? I think, I think it's time for my hot take. This is it's, but before I do that, actually, I want to hear your thoughts on Mark Shifley because my hot take is about Mark Shifley, and I want to know. I have a feeling we're actually going to have like crazy different takes on this, so maybe it's maybe it's time to have a little bit of an argument. I think um, I don't think thirty-one teams would have been in on Mark Shifley had he hit the trade market or the free agent market or anything. But however many teams out of those thirty-one teams that don't have Mark Shifley. Um, we're interested in acquiring his services. Should probably thank their lucky stars they didn't. Oh, Mitch. I don't want to slander like you guys. Is, I don't even know how he's perceived around the fan base. I don't want to call him like your franchise player because he's not. But yeah, he's paid like it, so I guess we can call him that. I hope I'm not ruffling a bunch of feathers here. Like, what, what, what were you going to say? So I, I'm going to go to the other end of the earth on this one. So Mark Shifley oh, is is perceived very differently by a lot of different Jets fans. And and my take is this. I think Mark Shifley has the potential to be just as much, if not more, of an offensive weapon than Kyle Connor if he was treated the same way. And what I mean by that is, why won't this man shoot? Why is this man constantly looking around and saying, what can I do to get Kyle Connor the puck? Why is he just completely becoming like Sigma male out here, like as soon as Kyle Connor is on the ice with him and doesn't play the kind of good hockey that Mark Shifley can play. I don't like that duo together. They have like snippets of really fun times and that's it. They have flashes that are so good and so exciting, but we are not seeing the best of Mark Shifley right now. And it's because he's playing with Kyle Connor. That's my crazy hot take. What What is the debate? So, okay. term? The rebuttal. Rebuttal. It's time for your rebuttal. Go no, my, my, my question is your wording. You said how Shifley's treated. Is he forced into this role or is he just a passive player? 
I, because here's the thing is what I've heard, I've heard, I'm not like an insider, but some of the like people that I've talked to that, you know, know the team really well say that Mark Shifley like wants to play with Kyle Connor. Like he very much like always is like, I, I want to play with Kyle Connor. Like if you win like the coaching, like if the coach likes you, you get to play with Kyle Connor sort of thing. That's, that's what I've heard yeah. at least. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, if he if he wants to play with Kyle Connor, and that's like your reward for being the best center on the team, then I don't know. I I I don't want to read too much into like the word how he's like the wording of how how Shifley's treated, but it kind of seems like he's in the best. Like, who would you have him playing with? I if not the best player on this team, I want him to play with the best type of players to fit his style and I think that Cole Perfetti needs to play with Kyle Connor because I think that Cole Perfetti's best skill set and the best that we're going to see of Cole Perfetti is when he's dishing the puck to people who know how to shoot properly um which and I'm not trying to dunk on Ehlers or Nemestikov in any capacity and I know all obviously Ehlers can shoot but I want Ehlers playing with Shifley and I want Perfetti playing with Kyle Connor I think that's when we're going to see better versions of all four of those players at the same time who was Shifley playing with last year? I wish I knew. I want to say we played a lot of Connor Shifley Wheeler last year, um, but I actually don't remember. Right, I think really. I blocked out a lot of last year because we would have. Well, that's not out. true because because Pierre Dubois was playing a little bit with Connor too. Um, we we don't see Shifley Ehlers though. That much I can tell you for free is we don't see a lot of Shifley Ehlers. And I think that if Ehlers, like Ehlers is a very creative and fun player. I think if he was doing those creative, weird, fun things with Mark Shifley, I think Mark Shifley has the shooting talent. I think Mark Shifley has the vision to create some really fun and exciting offense with him. I just looked at Ehlers, his player card. I, I didn't know he was 27 years old. That's such a bummer. Um, I thought he was way younger than that. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I see the point you're trying to make. Um, so I don't know if maybe it's just been an approach to his role change from Shifley because he scored 42 last year and was, I, I don't know if he was like way above his career shooting percentage. I'd have to check. But yeah, I, I couldn't tell you either. <laughs> I mean, like the guy's playing on the top line with the best players on the team and is on the flank of a power play. I mean, I, I like, I, I don't watch enough Jets fans, I think, to give like a, or enough Jets fans, enough Jets games to give like a truly like, in-depth take like give me five ten games and i can probably be even more informed but like i've got the world's smallest violin for this guy and his his issues i'm not gonna <laughs> lie i'm yeah. not gonna lie no people have been so hot cold whatever on mark shifley like he's just been and i i always describe him as a little bit of a sibling um in the sense where like i will get really frustrated with Mark Shifley and I'll be like, ugh, Mark Shifley, whatever. But when someone else who's not a Jets fan is like, oh yeah, Mark Shifley is bad. I'm like, oh, mm, 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 mm. do you know what you're saying here? Cause I, I don't yeah. know. Like, you know, I, I get defensive of him even though I'm probably his biggest critic kind of thing. So, but I feel like, honestly, I feel like every hockey fan is probably like that with oh, yeah. their team. So, you know, I'm not, yeah. not, nothing original or crazy like that. So I just, I just think that Mark Shifley is trying to be Kyle Connor's center instead of being just the center, you know? And I feel like that was evident on the power play as well, where Mark Shively was, like, 
five years ago about to set a record for how many goals scored by a single player in the playoffs ever. Like he, and you, like you said, 42 goals last year. Like he is a really, really good shooter. And he, like even that one little net drive that he had towards Ottinger, that was really fun at that one point when the Jets were starting to pick up the pressure a little bit. Like, and he's not just like a one-timer shooter guy. Like he's a very good goal scorer, just like straight up. And I just wish that he wasn't trying so hard to be a playmaker and a passer for Kyle Connor, you know? Yeah, no, I, I definitely get what you mean. Um, like his best season, uh, maybe besides a little bit earlier in his career, but like was last year when he scored 40 goals. Um, and put up, I just, I just looked at his card. His points were in the sixties. So he wasn't playing much of a playmaker role last year. And obviously he was playing with playmakers last year. Like Blake Wheeler was on his line. Who's gone. Um, who who else was he playing with last year? It was it was Wheeler and who? Connor. Connor sometimes. Um, okay. Dubois also played some way. I don't know. And I'm seeing people in the chat are saying that I'm I'm crapping on Shifley. And That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm actually trying to like no, that's me. Galaxy that's brain me a whole that. like 180. Like I think he's just he's actually that good offensively. I I do really think he is. I just I th- I feel like he's he's trying to be somebody he's not. You know, like I feel like that's that's the vibe I'm getting right now. Well, that's what that's what was happening is he was trying to force passes to Kyle Connor. And that's why the five on threes weren't working. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, I don't know. Like, uh, sorry, go on. No, and and then I was just like this whole like discussion now about um, like his role and his usage stems from how I guess like you mentioned how he's treated. So I was interested to know like, oh, okay, is this like a coaching thing or is this just Mark Shifley being a passive player? And that's kind of where. Where I was coming from, because I don't know, like I, that's a question I actually had. So yeah, no, and and I'm I'm wondering maybe too if it's like the oh you won the Kyle Connor sweepstakes, you get to play with him on his line. He's like I want to make sure he scores goals so I can keep him kind of thing. But I just feel like we're not getting the best output out of the two of them by keeping them together right now. I really really don't, and I do think it is the kind of like duo that I'd love to throw out there. Like after you have like a power kill or something like that, and you really want to score a goal, like throw them out for like two shifts a game, like just just for some fun. But I think it's like a stable line mate i want to see some changes oh yeah yeah there's some redundancy there yeah for sure and thursday is the jets next game and gabe velarde might be back on thursday so i feel like that's like he's probably gonna jump up on that line with the two of them so i don't expect to see any shifts but the fact that ehlers was bumped up to that line tonight let's actually talk about that a little bit like there were some some line shifts over the course of this game um ehlers got bumped up to play with Connor and Shifley. What did you think of that? It was okay. Um, I didn't find it terribly impressive, but like the Jets weren't very impressive tonight. Um, like that'd be a wicked line if it could just stick like that for a bit. Um, how's bonus with like line combinations? Does he change them a lot? So here's the thing. Um, last year he did a little bit. He's been gone for a while. This is a second yeah, game I knew back that. with the team. So. In the last little bit, the Jets have been pretty solid, and they're like their injury decided changes. Like there, there haven't been a lot of like. There's no Sheldon Keefe blender out there. Like the, um, yeah. but I think he's open to it. I don't know. He 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 be sneaky okay. like that. Has Has Zeilers ever gotten like an extended run playing with two of the best players on the team on a line? No, no. Yeah. See, so like that's why that's why I'd be fired up about that line if I'm a Jets fan because. I don't know, like, I keep tabs on teams, but there's so many teams, but, um, like, it just kind of feels like the common, um, 
I guess, narrative league-wide in terms of the Jets is that they've got this Ferrari in their garage that they just haven't been using for the last, oh, God, when was he drafted? 2014? When was yeah. his first year? Maybe a year or two after that? Like, it's two probably, that's, yeah. what, seven, eight years? Like, come <laughs> on. Like, let's go. This guy, this like, Nikolai Ehlers should legitimately be, like a, like, a franchise winger. He should be a franchise winger. Um, he should be... Nylander's going crazy. But, like, remember those two guys were drafted together, and that's always that's always the comparison, is that, like, Ehlers and Nylander, because they were drafted back-to-back way back when. Mm-hmm. Like, Ehlers should be on that level. Like, he should be a perennial eight, 70 to 80-point guy, except for he plays 15 minutes a night and doesn't play on the power play. Yeah, well, and part of that reason, I feel like, right now, is because they love their third line so much, but it's always been been the case. But... I've heard that, like, the conspiracy around the power play in particular, and maybe it's not even a conspiracy, just, like, the the take around the power play is that Nikolai Ehlers is like, I want my own unit, and they're like, okay, but it's not going to be the first one, and he's fine with that sort of thing. Right, (laughs) because he's just... Like, why? Why does he want his own unit? My dad and I always argue about this, because my dad's like, my dad doesn't think that a lot of players necessarily probably enjoy playing with Nikolai Ehlers off the get-go. He's like, he's so random. He's so chaotic. And I'm like, I know, I know, but it's fun. And like, if you can keep up, you're going to be on a good line if you get That's to do Nikolai Ehlers. That's a good thing. I know, it's fun. It's it's so... No, but for productivity-wise, like, that's a good thing. If you're, if you're a vanilla player, like, the other team's going to be able to stop you. Yeah, no, exactly. And that that's what happens when you have the, like, super typical d to d down to the guy on the flank he tries to shoot there's no one net front and then dallas scoops up the rebound and back we go kind of thing happens like that doesn't happen when nikolai Ehlers is on the ice because either the defense doesn't get a chance to set up because there's some fun off the rush zone entry that's created a fun chance already or he's mm-hmm. just like driving the net and then swinging back and making a really fun pass and, and pulling people out of position a little bit or something like that. I don't know. Like he plays really fun hockey, and I feel like that's when the Winnipeg Jets are scoring right now, right? Because they're they've been so good this season, and it's because they're playing. And <laughs> I've said this a couple times already, and it's it's true and it sucks, and I'll keep saying it. They they were playing Vegas type hockey where the defense into offense shift was so fast. And that's how they were able to generate as many explosive chances as they were because they weren't five guys set up inside the blue line. They're three guys coming off the rush and then dropping back and then doing that thing where they enter on the flank and then the defenders come and they try and collect that winger a little bit, but then the winger throws it back to the defender who passes it to the other defender who's wide open on the far side because everyone's collapsed on that puck because of the entry sort of thing. Like that, That's where they were scoring their goals is before they could set up in the offense, which is so weird because you think you should be better when you have control, but I find that they're better when they don't, you know? The, th- the thing about when you're in control is that usually the defense is in control. Yeah, but the Jets... And that's where, that's where, where that's that's why hockey is so stupid. Hockey is so stupid <laughs> because, because the players are so good and these defensemen and these forwards are so good at defending most of them that when you're set, they're also probably set. Yeah, no, you know what? Yeah, that that's that's true. That's true. Maybe I'm being too hard on them. Maybe I'm being too no, hard on no. Them, but... but like your points are valid though. Like it, it yeah. it's frustrating when your team can't score when it, they're they're set and they're actually running what they practice mm-hmm. because no one's like you're not really practicing all the random stuff, right? 
Um, you're true. you're practicing the set plays. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of that, that's how hockey's won, and w- is which teams are best mm-hmm. when they're set because the randomness is just so random. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, speaking of randomness, what did you think of that goal? Uh, that that coach's challenge tonight on uh, on the first goal. I I didn't really know why. Like I was like I was like like why I don't know. What did you think about it? I thought it was a weird choice to make, especially at that point. It was confused. I was confused. I was confused. My only thing is, and I wasn't watching closely enough to see like you know what Connor Hellebuck was up to or anything like that. But if he was like advocating like crazy, I feel like sometimes the the coaches defer to the goaltender on that. If the goalie's like, I really feel this way, so maybe he did. But just every replay I watched, I was like. It's not so bad that I don't get what you're trying to say, but I am understanding the message you're trying to convey. I just disagree with it, you know? I have a hot take with the uh, video reviews. Oh. I don't I don't I don't watch them. If I find out something's under review, I go on my phone. Interesting. Why? And then and then whatever happens happens because because I've I've been burned too many times. I I like I don't know the rules of this sport. <laughs> No, literally. It's no just, one does. No, no one, one knows does. the rules. The refs don't. The refs aren't making the decision either. Like some some guy in in Toronto is. Oh um, my gosh. If I find out that there's a goal under review or like an offside or something, I guess that leads to a goal or whatever. Like I, I'll maybe watch the first review or two, and then I'm just like, okay, like let me know what happens. Like. That's so funny. <laughs> I, I, I tune it out. I don't care. Oh, I'm the opposite. I become a professional in that moment. I'm like sitting there and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Here's exactly what's happening right now. And then I watch from a different angle and I'm like, okay, I said that, but now I disagree. <laughs> and then when the call goes against you, you're like, wait, did they not see the, the angle that I saw? Because I had the right decision in my head. Exactly, exactly. And once I've seen like yeah. all like three or four that they have, I'm like, my decision is right. And every yeah. now and then, every now and then I finish, I'm like, I, I, no idea where that's gonna go we'll just not a clue we'll see what happens they'll they'll flip a coin and they'll make a call because i have no idea tonight was not one of those nights i knew exactly what the call was gonna be and i couldn't even bring yeah. myself to be bummed about it i was just like yeah yeah <laughs> i just thought of like a big reason for why i am the way i am with video review oh Enlighten. because every single co- okay here's the thing why isn't every single coach a hundred percent successful with video review these guys get like 45 seconds to look it over in slow motion with an headpiece that's going up to their like press box or front office or whatever who are also looking at this thing from every angle before they even decide if they want to look at it yeah this is not this is not like a this okay this is ryan and i have talked about this so many times on our podcast why is that a thing why don't coaches just have to review based off of what they see in real life? Why do they get to look at the same replays that we do before they get to re- like challenge? Well, I mean, why are they standing on an iPad when they get to challenge? I mean, think about it though. When you play hockey, like every time my team would score and I was on the bench, I had no idea what the heck was going on. Like you can't see anything from that angle. Like you can, like. You, you know what sort of happened, but to have the ability to, like, make a call, definitely yeah. not. I feel like you have but the, to watch. I, I I disagree. I think I think the refs have to judge everything in real time. I think that if you're going to instill video review, which obviously the NHL has over the last however many years, um, I think it would add to the skill of a coach 
and to the intuition of the players. Like, it would be more entertaining if you actually had no idea. If a coach had, like, a sinking feeling, like, if it looked offside, like, oh, that looked offside and they scored 10 seconds later. Like, I'm going to challenge that. Or it would get rid of those cr- – actually, this is the other thing, too, is it would get rid of those super tedious offside reviews that oh, are yeah. inconsequential. I, I, hate, I hate offside reviews. That's the other thing is that we've, we've, we've come to this decision, Ryan and I, that, like, these should be judged in real time because it would get rid of those, like, super close ones. Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I do not – I no, because no one's ever going to make a call then. That's so high risk, high reward. And we know that NHL coaches don't really do that. If they did, they'd be pulling the goalie with seven minutes left in the third. When but that's when that's two. when you would then trust your players because the players would see it too. Your assistant okay. coaches would see it. Okay. Your backup goalie, your goalie. Like, there, it's not just the one coach, right? Like, okay. I'm just saying get rid of the 10 different angles within the span of 40 seconds after the play's done with the ref holding his finger or the coach holding his finger up while he's looking down at his iPad, um, listening to what his... Uh, okay video director has to say about the goal. I don't know. That's just, that's just me. So your, um, your alternative would be like a 20 second team huddle where they're like, should we do this? And then not people... even, no, not even. I think like if, if you haven't challenged by the time like a line change would have happened because like it's, it should be, it's at a whistle. Right. So it's in between mm-hmm. plays. Like if, if the if the linesman's ready to drop the puck, like you can't challenge. Maybe I don't know. Interesting, interesting. Because that takes a second, right? Like if you're changing yeah. lines, that takes 10, 15 seconds. Um, maybe you make it so that I don't know. I just don't think that a coach or you could do the same amount of time, but just no technology on the bench or something, which yeah. is impossible. It's twenty twenty three. But like, I just I just heavily disagree with the idea. That replays can happen after a coach literally sees a review. Yeah, no, and, and I guess that's fair because I think the thing is, and that's part of the reason that, like, you know, we're, we're critical on refs and stuff like that when people will have, like, the eight slow motion videos of someone's suspension and be like, how is this not called? I'm like, yeah, because you watched eight angles of slow motion yeah. when the ref saw it happen in a split second. So yeah. I, I, like, that, I, I am kind of on your side in that sense of, like, the how was the ref supposed to know, but... Also, like, I don't find that, like, when they have the coaches' reviews, it's like, oh, the ref screwed that up by calling it a goal at the time. But, like, yeah. you know, I, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by the idea, and I'm not going to write it off. I'm not going to say I hate it, even though I said I hated it, like, two minutes ago. You've convinced me to consider it. I, I'm sitting on this one for a while. I'm going to put a pin in it, and I'm going to think about it. Next time there's a coaches' challenge, I'm going to, like, see, like, oh, my God, this is so lame, like, or would the players on the ice have seen this from the same angle? Because no one's seeing the bird's eye, like, above the whatever angle, right? Yeah. So, interesting, interesting. And 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 the other thing, too, is, uh, like, it, it would add to the skill of a coach, right? True. Um, Like, if if someone tells me that Rick Bonus has a 77% conversion rate on coaches' challenges, I'm like, okay, good job, Winnipeg Jets. Like, that's not that's not him. Yeah. No, that's that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, I don't know. That's right. just like a tiny little gripe I've had for a while, um, and just especially because I'm like a big baseball guy too, and baseball was first to this mm-hmm. with video review. They give they get they give each team like almost over a minute to like check in with the replays and stuff, and they're literally like saying, "Hold on, like pause the game, like timeout. We're gonna decide if we want to review this." Yeah. I've never liked it, and now yeah. the, and like the NHL's been doing that lately too. That's fair. That's fair. I will say. 
it pales in comparison to having to watch a player frame by frame lift his skate off of a blue line or not for like oh six God, minutes yeah. after the challenge actually like they're like okay we're gonna challenge and then we sit for like six minutes and what oh my gosh that that's insufferable especially when it's offside i i am an offside review hater especially i'm saying especially like eight times we're stacking it up this is my worst case scenario ever when it's like 45 seconds of possession time before the goal was scored anyway. I'm like, shut up. That's yep. so irrelevant at this point. Like, how many? Yeah. I don't know. I guess. This is and it would get rid of those. It would yeah. get rid of those. It's it, true. It, like, video it's review true. was brought in to avoid Matt Duchesne going offside by 10 feet and scoring a goal. <laughs> not not my skate blade being a hair's width off the ice. Exactly. From, exactly. Across the line. So, it, like, getting rid of the review on the bench would get rid of those, too. I don't know. It's just It's just a dumb thing that I've had in my head as a nerdy hockey fan. No, no, that that's fair. And I feel like it's a good conversation, even though based on the one we had tonight, not that that was just a challenge that probably shouldn't have been made anyway. It barely affected yeah, the way right. Connor Halibuck moved in any capacity. So pretty much anyone who would have seen that on the ice would have been like, nah, like I, I don't see it. But who knows? I was caught off guard by it. Yeah. 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 No, me too. I, I already thought we were moving on. And then I was like, Oh wait, just kidding, we're we're still here. Yeah. But those are kind of the main storylines I wanted to talk about in tonight's game. Before we, we sign off for the evening and, and, you know, go cry about being a 2L team instead of a 5W team, um, anything else you want to add about this Jets team that you saw tonight? Anything else about this game or, or going forward for the Jets that you, with your objective, not as much of a hater slash lover as I am of this team, any final I, thoughts? I want to know. I actually have a question about who's wasn't in the game. What's up with Velarde? Why is why is he been hurt for so long? Where's he going to play when he gets back? Is he going to slide into the top six or what? So he got hurt in game three of the season. Yeah. Super fun. Yeah. Um, this is so embarrassing. I want to say MCL sprain, ACL strain, one of the two. I, I can't remember. And that's terrible Jets fan of me. But, something uh, to do with the knee. Something okay. to do with the knee. Something to do with the knee. <laughs> um and got hurt against the LA Kings, obviously, because why wouldn't he? Um, yeah. He'll be back in the top six for sure. Hopefully on Thursday. Um, he, like, he was he's practicing. Sick, like... So good. And, and I think yeah. he's exactly what this top six needs to, to liven it up a little bit. So I think they throw him back in right where he left off, which was up top with Connor and Shifley. But the issue is, at that time, mm-hmm. Alex Iafalo was playing on the third line. Vlad Nemesikov was on the fourth line. You know, Niederreiter was on the second. And we, we were all over the place. Um, they're not going to touch the third line of Nino Niederreiter, Mason Appleton, and Adam Lowry. They love that line too much. And at this point, I don't think they should touch it. So what it looks like most realistically is that Alex Iafalo would probably fall onto the fourth line, which I don't think they want to do either. So I'm very That'd be crazy to see. Because I know long-term, I'm sure they want Vlad Nemesikov on the fourth line and Alex Iafalo and Nino Niederreiter both in the middle six in some capacity, but they just don't want to screw with that third line right now, so I feel like they're going to leave it and then either bump Nemesikov down, and then what that would look like is probably Cole Perfetti sliding back into the center on that line, playing with Nikolai Ehlers and Alex Iafalo. They also have had Cole Perfetti running a couple random stints, like taking a couple draws, playing a couple shifts at center and stuff like that. So I do think they want to move him back into the center position eventually. Just don't know if it's yeah. the fit right now kind of thing. Long and the short of it is, I want to say come Thursday, if we get to see Gabe Bellardi, and it's sounding like we might, I literally, I'm about to purchase tickets if I get to confirmation that he's going to be playing because I'm so excited to have him back. Uh, I want to say we throw him back on the on the top line there. He plays with Connor and Shifley and then they go from there. Give me, give me Ehlers, Perfetti, Velarde on the second line. 
That sounds so. That sounds so good. But also, I give don't, me that. That the, whatever the next line would be sounds terrible. Connor Shifley, I follow Nemestikov. No, yeah. thank you. I don't want do that. that. No, do that. Do it. Show me. Just have the give one. me that it's... second line. I don't. I don't care about Shifley's line. Give me that. <laughs> give me that second line. Yeah, it's it's like the new equivalent of like the the McDavid Drysaddle line, and then they have just like a nonsense second, third, fourth line. That would do you be not like I follow? I'm fine with him. I'm fine with him. He's not okay. a top line winger, so there's that. They should go um, get someone. They should. They should. Yeah. And I feel like they might. But I feel like that's a conversation for another day. Mitch, that is a conversation so for another guy. For it's November. <laughs> on Game Over Winnipeg this evening. It's always a fun time to chat with you. Uh, before we sign off, let the people know where they can find you, your show, what you guys talk about, and all that. Uh, yeah, so I'm at mthompson5, two N's on Twitter. Uh, I do a podcast with my buddy Ryan. Uh, called the bandwagon hockey podcast we're small but we do our best uh we try to jump around as much as we can we like to talk about all the teams as much as we can um we are a little bit sends bias because we are both rooted in ottawa and we are part of the hockey podcasting network so if you want to give us a follow and give us a listen um that'd be very appreciated awesome yeah it's always good to have one of those shows in your back pocket that gives you a little bit of everything because you can't, you know, if you want to stay up to date with what's going on in the league, you can't listen to 32 individual team-centric shows. So it's great to have those no. that kind of cover a little bit of everything. So, yeah, definitely uh, check them out. So that is all for us this fine evening. Brady will be here on Thursday covering the – oh, no, Brady and Zach will be here on Thursday with a game over head-to-head because we're playing an in-market game, so that's going to be a fun one. Um, Zach and Brady are both very passionate individuals, to say the least, so we can all just hope that that's a 7 nothing game. doesn't matter for who, just for the sake of having a really good game over show. Uh, so make sure you check that game out live on Thursday after the Jets game or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your shows to make sure you catch that one. Mitch, thank you again so much for joining me. Thank you everyone who is live in the chat this evening. Thank you to everyone listening back tonight, tomorrow, whenever you listen to your shows. We'll see you next time. Game!